For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo, Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's happening, Rebels? Hope you're having a great week. We are opening up a little bit. I am so excited I get a haircut tomorrow. It's the longest I've ever gone without a haircut where I have not just gone and shaved my head. So it is the longest Laura's ever seen it. It is a mess and it is getting cut tomorrow. I'm super, super stoked. We have a fire program for you today. Our friend Shanti Feldhan is on and the topic is how to even talk about money with your spouse. And it's not about budgeting. It's not about finding the right system for your family. Uh, we talked about that. I mean, if you need a budget system, if you need someone, find Dave Ramsey. He's the best. Uh, we recommend Financial Peace University, Smart Money, Smart Kids, Total Money Makeover. You name it, if he's done it, it's great. But this is how do you just talk about money with your spouse? And it is so enlightening. It is so enlightening. You are going to love it. Let's just dive into it. Here's Shanti Feldhan on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebel family? So glad you could join us today. Thank you for being here. We are continuing our series on how to survive the quarantine, being on lockdown with your entire family, working from home, being laid off, all the things that everyone is going through. And we have a stellar guest. So we have Shanti Feldhan on today. I don't even know if you know this. I picked up extra work. I'm doing work with my dad. So May is the 10th anniversary of Family Talk being on the radio. And so they have a 10th anniversary CD set. I know CDs, which is hilarious. I hope they have downloads too. But it's the best of the best broadcasts over the last 10 years. And you're on it. Aw, thanks. That's awesome. That makes me happy. Totally. I was telling him, I talked to my dad yesterday. Here's the truth. I called him just to say, I'm sad and I'm anxious and I want to tell somebody besides Laura. And he was so kind. He was so (laughs) nice. And I told him we're doing a series on how to survive the lockdown and that you were coming on. He's like, Ryan, that's a great idea. That's really clever. And I was like, oh, thank you. That makes me feel good too. (laughs) So thank you for being here. Your dad is so encouraging. So yes, and you are welcome. I am thrilled you asked because I'm really glad you're doing this. Oh, it it is so needed. Laura and I are struggling like every other couple and family out there. I got laid off from one of my jobs right when the beginning of this started and it threw such a monkey wrench into all of our plans. It added so much more stress. Luckily, I've picked up extra work, but you've got a brand new book out about money and relationships And we want to talk about, there's so many couples, families, either on reduced hours, reduced wages, being laid off, working from home for the first time, and being around each other and putting each other under a microscope shows where money is being spent. Like, everything is being questioned. Why did you buy that? Why didn't you buy this? Why are you spending money on that? So, can you give us some help? What's the name of your new book? And it's, let's, it's called Thriving and Love and Money. Awesome. Mm, yeah. yeah. Thriving. A lot of couples are struggling with that right now. Yes. So yeah. help us dive into it. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, actually, the key with this, and it's hilarious that it came out when it did, because, you know, it's every author's dream to work for three years on a massive research project and have a book come out one week before a national emergency is declared, right? Yes, right. Oh, my gracious. (laughs) You know, that is one of those things that, all right. But then I realized, okay, that's why we were supposed to do this. Mm. Because now we do have millions of couples stuck at home worrying about money. Yes. And the key, this is the sort of the overarching thing that you all need to know, is that what we found, honestly, as a part of this massive research project is that Shanti, I want to tell people that yeah. too, before we get into it, you are sure. a researcher. You don't oh, just yes. write about things that you think that you've kind of <laughs> come up with on Ponder your own. About for you day. do hardcore deep dive researches. In fact, yeah. you did something for us that really changed. And I have used it so many yeah. times. I had been using the statistic that 50% of couples get divorced regardless of belief system. And you were like, you've got to stop saying that. It's yeah. not true. I did the research. It's about 25 on first marriages and around 30 on second marriages. And everybody else was saying 50% on first marriages, 75% yeah. on second marriages. Yeah. And you're like, no, yeah. it's not true. Can we get better? Sure. But there is good news about marriage. So I want people to know when you're talking about money and relationships and couples, you have done massive amounts of research. This is data-driven stuff. Mm. Yes. And the data that we were looking at in this project particularly Mm. was not how to have a great budget. Right, because right, like you know, right. there's tons of that's work been that's been done. Yeah, absolutely. Find like, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> yes, exactly. Rachel. A lot of work has been done on that. But here's the problem: is that we learned the biggest obstacle to people thriving in their marriage around money and the irritation or the frustration or the avoidance or all of that kind of stuff. Or like a lot of pastors are interested in, you know, how can we get people to, you know, realize that they're holding on to their money as a lack of trust in God or whatever, like all of those factors, the biggest obstacle to financial freedom and every and budgeting and everything else isn't, I don't know how to budget. It isn't, I have too much debt. It isn't that, you know, someone is spending more than they're saving, which all of those things are issues, right? Like we have to deal with the biggest obstacle by far is the inability of a husband and wife to sit down around the kitchen table and talk about money. Wow. And we just tend to get tense about it and not do it. And we get defensive. Why? Hmm. What is underneath all of that? And so what we were studying Hmm. is, how can you have a great relationship around money? And there has never been a time that it is more necessary than right now yes. when we are all crammed at home mm. on top of each other. Anyway, irritations can be magnified. Yeah. And now add worry, pre- add money worries on top of it. Yep. My goal for this season, and I know it's possible because we did the research, is for people to not just kind of hang on and get through this time. My goal is for people to recognize, you know, if we actually understand what's going on in our own hearts and our spouses, we can actually emerge stronger Mm. from this season and actually have this be something that in the end we look back and we go, 
that was the best thing that could have happened. We are so much stronger as a marriage, especially around money. So what did you find why people didn't want to sit down at the table and talk about it? Like, what is it? Is it one thing or a thousand things? All the things you mentioned or? Because we have no idea what you're talking about. Yes, right. <laughs> I'm sure none of you have those issues, right? You two don't. No, me and way, Jeff don't. We've it's been, everybody we're else. going on 15 years of marriage. Can I just be honest? Sure. Yeah, we're terrible with this. Yeah. We terrible. hate talking about money I all think the time. Maybe that's the worst thing. Like, it used to be parenting. Parenting used to be our number one trigger, and then it yeah. switched. So now yeah, it's because money. we're way more on the same page parenting. I needed to change so much in my parenting style and my relationship style and really went to a ton of therapy. And that was great because we fought so much about parenting that we never talked about money. We didn't have to worry about fighting over that. And now it's the big avoidance. It's just that oh, yeah. we avoid it like, I hate to say like the plague. What a terrible thing <laughs> what to a say. What a terrible phrase to use <laughs> nowadays. We avoid it like the we pandemic. Avoid it like I mean, a- <laughs> But we do. And so if we do, if we avoid it, so many couples are avoiding it. Yeah. Yeah. What is our problem? What's wrong with us? I will answer that question in a second, but I just have to tell you, I'm right there with you because literally this was the one area after all of the studies that Jeff and I had done and incorporated like all the stuff we learned and, you know, like you guys, we weren't perfect, but we started working on this area or that area. And money was the one area that we were not on the same page at all. And three years ago. I feel better. Yes. Well, here's, it gets, and I'll tell you, most couples are like us, the four of us. More, it's the people who are like, yay, let's go to Dave Ramsey. Those people are. Rare. Mutants. (laughs) The anomaly, for sure. Yeah. Anomaly. Sorry, those of you who are listening who are Dave Ramsey people. I promise you're not mutants. We We love Dave. We started Financial Peace University. And and rocked us. And then Laura was pregnant, and it was such a great excuse to not go because of morning sickness and all the things. It was like, you know what? We should focus more on you. But even the little amount we did put into it, I'm not saying we completed it really transformed a lot of how we did interact. So I'm just saying, if you are out there and you even take some tiny steps, hey, that's better than none because we got on that same page. Well, does Dave say we can buy it? That was our big one. That was our big (laughs) joke. Oh my goodness. That was our total family joke. I would want to buy like new arrows for my bow and she'd go, did you ask Dave? And I'm like, oh, Dave, you know? We would totally blame it on Dave. Like Dave was Everything. the one that it was, was all keeping Dave's us fault. From, it wasn't Laura keeping me from spending. It was Dave. Dave was keeping me from of spending course. money. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, okay. Here's the big picture thing that we found in the research, mm. right? Because we were terrified yeah. to start this research project. I bet. <laughs> I mean, knowing that this was an area that we were not great at, but we learned so much. Mm. And one of the biggest picture things we learned is that when you're having those kinds of conflicts, like you're talking about, about money, or we are, or you're avoiding it, or whatever the tension is, when you're having tension around money, it's not about the money. It turns out, when you're having tension about money, it's about how money makes you feel, and how it makes your spouse feel. Mm. And there's this host of sort of expectations Mm 
and worries and fears and sort of feelings of how things should be and belief systems and sometimes like different ways literally of processing decisions there's all this stuff running under the surface mm, yeah. and those things are so liberating once you actually understand oh that's why that made me upset like i never would have been able to articulate it before mm. once you know that stuff automatically becomes a moment where you understand yourself, you understand your spouse, and suddenly it's like everything opens up kind of automatically and suddenly sitting down at the kitchen table and talking about it, it actually doesn't hurt anymore. Like you don't avoid it. It just sort of happens like anything else Hmm. because it's not something that causes this incredible tension or defensiveness or or whatever. Yeah, the huge fight. It actually becomes, suddenly it switches and it becomes this opportunity for connection instead of conflict. It's amazing. Hmm. So what we found about that's underneath the surface, that's basically what we were studying is what are those things that are running under the surface? And we identified five of them. There's five like factors very different factors running under the surface. And I know we don't have a ton of time, but I'd love to at least cover a couple of those. Yeah, 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 definitely. definitely. I think the first, I mean, I'm just in my head, I'm like the scare, the fear, there's not enough or, you know, he's spending on this, that part. So I believe into marriage counseling, they kept talking about family of origin to the point where I was like, okay, I get it. Family of origin, you know? And then a couple years in, it was like, whoa, like Laura and I were raised so drastically different that we would use the same words with totally different meanings. Different meanings. You know what yep. I mean? Mm-hmm. And I know I, exactly. I'm thinking about it too. I'm sure because I've heard stories of her life and my life growing up, money was handled totally differently in our homes. The value yeah. of it, the what you did with it, how you spent it, where you invested it, what you know, all those things completely different. So start us off. What are some of the you know underlying feelings with money? Well, one of them actually relates to what you were talking about, and yet it's not what you think. Because we often when we would start doing the interviews and the focus groups and go, Okay, you know, so what's behind why you just said that? Bob, you know, like people can't articulate it. And so they go to, well, it's how I was raised, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Like sort of that seems the most obvious. It's how we handled it. And yet we saw very early that that has almost nothing to do with it in terms of a pointed focused way, Mm. because what Mm. happened, and this is literally one of the very first sets of research trips, we sat down and had the first person come in, the first couple come in and the husband said, well, you know, I grew up poor, really poor, and I never want to feel that way again. So I save everything, Mm. right? Like I just, I never want to have that feeling of lack. So I save everything. Literally the next couple that came in, sat down, the husband said, I grew up poor and I never want to feel that way again. So we go out to eat. We have a great time. Like Mm -hmm. I never want to feel poor again. I never want to have that feeling of lack. So, you know, I think it's so important to enjoy life. And I saw right in front of me, and we (laughs) saw it eventually in the surveys and the statistics, it turns out it's not about your family of origin or your childhood experiences. It's how you respond to it. It's how it comes sort of through in your value system. Mm. So the first and the most kind of day-to-day 
conflict sort of generating factor that we found, which is now being pressured on people because of the very real money worries that everybody has right now, is that we tend not to value what the other person values. We just literally don't understand that something different matters to them than matters to us. And it's totally legitimate. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, for example, somebody being the saver and somebody being the spender. And this is a silly example, but, you know, silly examples are what make our lives really and marriages, right? Yeah. But let's just say you have the saver and the spender Mm -hmm. right now with the COVID situation and losing jobs and worrying about money and whatever the savers are all going, see, I'm right. Right. Like certainly I'm the right one because you know, everybody knows we need to be saving money right now. And so, you know, the way (laughs) for Jeff and me, Jeff is the saver. I'm more of the spender. And by the way, these are not gender related. We did the correlation. There's almost no gender relationship here. Mm. It just happens to be that Jeff is a saver in this situation. Jeff tells me eventually, as we were going through this research project, he just thought I had a character flaw. Like that was his, you know, his assumption. That's what he says. Isn't that great to find out after a decade or more of marriage? Like, I just thought you had bad character. I just thought you were wrong. Yeah, I just thought this was a character flaw. And so the savers right now are all feeling very vindicated. Sure. Right? Like, this is clearly the way that you're supposed to be. Mm. Where the spenders more, like, if they were able to articulate it, they would be saying, well, yeah, being wise with money, of course that's important. But, you know, also God tells us that he wants us to have abundant life. He's come to give us good gifts. And I want to be able to enjoy life now, not just in 30 years when I retire because I happen to have saved up enough money. I mean, what about the guy who stored all his money in barns and then died? Like, I don't want to store all my money and then not be able to enjoy it because I get sick before I get to go traveling world or whatever. And you know what? Here's the thing that we realized is such a big deal at any time, but is especially magnified right now, is that we don't realize that Unless there's some huge problem that's unusual, like somebody has a gambling addiction or, you know, something really unusual, both of those values, both of those ways of thinking and being are totally legitimate. Right. Sure. It's not like one is right and one is wrong. It's just that we tend to feel that. Like the other person is just wrong. Yeah. you know, and question? we don't value the other person's values. I think it would be very easy for the saver to feel like I'm right. I'm the saver. Yes. I'm more wise yeah. with money. I've got a more, more reserves. I've got more self-control, what? all of that. Do the spenders also feel a little bit like the saver is probably the right one and they're probably like Correct. the wrong one? Correct. Mm. It's kind of the equivalent of if you think about some of the previous podcasts that we've done together – like we talked a while back on my for women only and for men only research that Jeff and I have done over the years on kind of the differences between men and women. Mm -hmm. Well, the relationship world and sometimes even the counseling world up until recently, thankfully to some degree, it's been very female focused and the female way of being is just right. And the men kind of feel like, well, I just need to improve my 
relationship skills and I need to not get angry and I need to be able to talk and share my Mm -hmm. feelings and cry and, you know, all those things. And one of the things that our research did over the years and Emerson Egrich's research did over the years was show these two ways of being, it's not like there's a right and a wrong. They're just very different. And God made us very different Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on purpose. Yeah. And it's in some ways, it's similar to that. Not exactly the same, but there's some yeah, similarities sure. in that our whole money management system has been built around the premise that sort of saving up is the empirically right way of doing stuff. And if it's not saving up, then it's saving up and giving a lot. Like sure. yeah. those yeah. are the two that are spiritually correct. Yeah. And listen, let me just say it again. It's not like that's bad. That is good. I mean, we're told to be givers. We are told to sort of give from a cheerful heart. We are told to be wise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it is also accurate that we are told that we're supposed to have this abundant life that God wants for us. And we're also told to trust that God will provide. Sure. And all of those things are all true. And so it's not that I'm right, you're wrong. It's not that there is necessarily a right and a wrong. Yeah, yeah. There are differences. They're all legitimate. Mm. And it's a matter of us coming together as a couple Mm. because we've been brought together as a couple. Yeah. It's a matter of us coming together as a couple and being able to talk through what's our family calling. What are we being asked to do yeah what is being handed to us given our different personalities different values different ways of behaving the different positions that we've been put in the financial situations we've been put in what are we being called to do and being good stewards and faithful to that Mm -hmm. that's interesting it Mm -hmm. reminds me of the first time i read tim ferris's book the four-hour work week because he Mm -hmm. was saying we're taught to save, 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 and then enjoy it in retirement. And he's like, by the time retirement comes around, some of us can't enjoy it. So he was saving and then taking many retirement vacations every year and doing, you know, it really was in a way the abundant life. And it was like, oh, that's a totally different way of looking at money than I've ever seen anyone describe it before. Before it was always... 401k, retirement plan, all this. And then someday you'll get to spend all this money that you've saved all your Mm -hmm. life. And he was like, I don't know. I kind of want to spend it now. Like I want to take some fun trips while I'm young. I want to do this stuff now. And it was like, oh, that's really interesting. They're just different ways of looking at it. It's not bad or good, right or wrong. Just a very different way of looking at how we save and spend our money. Well, and the key for our purposes here, Mm -hmm. now that everybody is kind of stuck at home and worrying about money is to recognize that it's possible. So let me just speak to the savers for a minute because there are a lot of people who are a saver married to a spender. And even if you're not married to a spender, because there's plenty of people who are two savers, but probably one of them saves less than the other. And most of the savers that we have interviewed and surveyed over the course of this research, you want most of all, to get on the same page, right? That's like one of the things that most savers want. However, let me just challenge you a little bit because 
you think you want to get on the same page, but what that means to you is we'll be on the same page once my spouse agrees with me. Right. That's yeah. kind of right. what that actually means in your mind, perhaps. And many savers who are a little further down the, the road in the journey have recognized that if they're married to someone with different values in that area, that that doesn't usually end well. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of stress and recognizing maybe I'm being too strict about this. And so let me make a suggestion to any of the savers for whom any of this resonates. If you want to try to get on the same page truly and you want to have your spouse understand what's important to you and why, sit down or just have a conversation leaning against the kitchen sink, like whatever it is, and ask your spouse, do you feel like I don't understand some of the things that are important to you about why you want to spend money on this or why that's important to you? And just let them share. Just let them start talking. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not a time to agree or disagree or argue or make (laughs) your point or all that. It's just a time to listen. Hmm. Correct. And then hopefully if they feel able to open up a little bit, hopefully you'll hear that you two just had different values. Okay. So if that's true, if it's literally just that something different mattered to your spouse and matters to you, if you will are ever going to get on the same page, you are going to have to understand and honor each other's values. That way you don't keep missing each other. Mm. You finally can come together. Totally. So for now speaking to the saver, speaking to the spender, the key that I would suggest is start by looking at the different types of values. Now, some of this is in the book. Some of this is actually, we have an assessment that I can refer you to. It's a free assessment online at our website that will help you kind of understand this a little bit more Mm -hmm. and look at the different types of values and use it as an opportunity to have a conversation. We literally, one of the things that we suggest in the book is actually, it's kind of fun. Jeff and I realized there's so much we didn't understand about ourselves. Literally go through and highlight or like, write notes on, oh my gosh, that is so me. Like, that is why I feel this way. And this is not really me. Both of you do that and then look at each other's comments and you're getting this personalized tour Mm. into all the stuff that mattered to your spouse that you had no idea. Sure, sure. Hmm. That's amazing. Can I ask a question? Do you get any pushback from the savers going, nope, saving is better than spending. I am right in this one. So how do you address that if you've got something like I'm type A, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, I'm a challenger. And so my go-to is, but I'm right. You know, my go-to is, but I believe what I believe and I believe that I'm right. And if you don't believe what I believe, you're probably just wrong. It's fine that you're wrong, but you're wrong. Now, here's the (laughs) truth. I'm not the saver. Both Laura and I, I think, are spenders. Would you? Yeah. Yeah, we're spenders. But I do want to address, how do you talk to the saver and be like, you know what? They're both valid ways of being. Now, we're not talking about someone that's racking up tons of credit card debt or the gambling problem. Like, not that kind. Not just frivolous, irresponsible. We've got bills to pay, but instead, you know, we're going to go buy this fun thing instead of paying our cell phone bill. Correct. Like the yeah, general... we talk about in the book and in the research project, we were studying the vast majority of average normal couples. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't deal 
with the edge cases of somebody who has a gambling addiction, for example. That's beyond the scope of the study. Sure. But how do you talk to someone who's a saver, for example, who says, I'm just right? Well, let me just push back just a little bit. Because even though I'm more of the spender in our relationship, the spenders tend to think that too. <laughs> right. Okay? So both of us tend to think, my way is just right. Like, there's such a killjoy. You sure. know, come on. Yeah. Like, you know. Love a little. Yeah. So we, mm. to some degree, yes, both of us tend to think the saver is right, you know, in terms of what we've heard yeah. and the right way of handling money. Like I said, there are things about that that are wise and good and we need to adhere to. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But to speak to anybody and my challenge for anyone who says my way is just right is basically the concept of is it that God made us the same or that God made us different? And if God made us different, then you're telling God that he's wrong. I have different things that matter to me. Now, again, you can take that to an extreme. Totally. Right. Yeah. Well, I believe in polygamy yeah, exactly. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can. And I'm not and I'm not saying that there's such a thing as we need to honor relativism. Right. right. But I'm talking about the way that we've been built like men and women, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. and different skills and different talents and different passions and interests. It is very clear, if we all look at it objectively, it is very clear that God has given us different ways of being that are good, or, but like you mentioned, the Enneagram, or in the Enneagram, one of the things that's so brilliant about it is that it breaks you down into, here's a healthy, good, beautiful version of that, and here's an unhealthy, bad version of that. Totally. So the key is so much of the mechanism behind money in marriage and our assumptions has been that my way is the healthy, beautiful way and your way is the unhealthy, bad way. (laughs) And we have to come to terms with absolutely there are certain things that are objectively right and wrong, but so much of this is based on individual preferences and personality and skills and interests that have been baked into us by a good, creative God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, we have to live according to the healthy versions of ourselves, yes. not the unhealthy versions of ourselves. I like it. I like. What are some of the other ways we can feel about money? You've got the five. We okay. just went through one. I got the five. Yeah. yeah, I know. And I know we're running out of time. It's okay. Here's, no, we're good. We're fine. Yeah. Here's one other that I think is really essential. I mean, there's three of them that I think are kind of the big three okay. out of these five. This is what you mentioned about the fears. Okay. Yeah. And it turns out that, and this is one of the few things that is actually statistically gender related when it comes to thinking about money. There weren't very many of those, but this was one that that was. Where it turns out that men and women tend to have two different sets of primary fears and insecurities running under the surface. Mm -hmm. And the analogy or the word picture is almost like, picture like, you know how if you have a fear of heights and you're standing on the edge of a cliff, what that feels like? Mm -hmm. Now, you may not have a fear of heights. I have a fear of heights. 
And so just pretend, okay, you Colorado <laughs> people or you whatever, like mountain people, okay. But when somebody who does have a fear of heights stands on the edge of a cliff, it's like this freaky feeling like something's going to magically pull me over and I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Like there's no reason for it, but it's a sense of bizarre feeling of being pulled towards that edge. So you try to stay as far away from the edge as possible, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And you yeah. back away from the thing that you fear. And you get really annoyed when your spouse, who doesn't have the same fear, is like, come here to the edge and take a selfie. You're Mm. like, are you nuts? Like, can't you see we're going to die? And it turns out that men and women tend, when it comes to money in our lives, we tend to have two different cliffs, I guess, is the right way of putting it. The man's cliff feels like, am I going to be able to provide for the family? How am I going to be able to provide for the family? Like there's this feeling like he's being pulled towards that edge where I'm not going to be enough to keep us from being pulled over and dying. And it's going to be my fault because I wasn't enough Mm -hmm. and I didn't do everything I could. Yeah, I mean, you you know what I'm talking about, Ryan. Exactly. Yeah. And women worry about money too, but it's not necessarily, and statistically, there are exceptions to this, but this is about 75 to 85% of men, right? And so men tend to, because they have that fear, they back away. They try to stay away from that edge by making themselves feel better by, like I was talking to a woman who is married to a police officer. Hmm. Right now, he is taking every conceivable type of overtime hour he can possibly get at the local hospital or the local Walmart or anywhere they're hiring police officers right now because he's trying to stay away from that edge. He's trying to build up some equity and build up some, you know, savings, or maybe it's during normal times, not like right now during the lockdown. And, and so he's a guy is putting in lots of extra hours at the office. Mm-hmm. So he gets FaceTime with his boss. Yeah. And so he feels like I've built up a lot of goodwill and my boss knows I'll stay until midnight. And the problem is he is feeling better because he's staying away from the cliff that he feels like he would fall over statistically, his wife probably has a different cliff. Statistically, women are more likely to be worrying about, well, yeah, you're working 100 hours a week and we don't ever see you. And the woman's cliff is more, instead of, am I going to be able to provide, are we sort of financially okay? A woman's cliff is, are we okay? Mm. Is the family okay? Are the kids feeling loved? Am, is our marriage okay? And you've been working 100-hour weeks, and you've been having the black cloud of doom following you around the house, and you're stressed, and I'm worried you're going to have a heart attack, Yeah, <laughs> and we are not okay. Right. Yeah. And so the way a woman tends to back away from her cliff, so to speak, is she wants to do things together. And during normal times, yeah. <laughs> that can look like, let's go out to eat you know, let's go on vacation, let's do something and let's do, you know, yes, of course, if little, you know, Susie wants to do travel volleyball, this will be a good thing for us to do as a family. Yeah, that costs $3,000. Yeah, but it's a good thing for us to do as a family. Well, guess what? That pulls the husband closer to his cliff. Right. Yep. And so our efforts, what we found statistically is that our efforts to stay away from the cliff that looms largest in my mind 
my effort to do that makes your cliff worse. Yeah, yeah. And your effort makes We just makes had this conversation. Cliff. That's crazy. I can't go into the details of it. We just had this conversation about things Mary Ellen was talking to you about with the new situation. And now I see the conversation in a completely different light, right? Interesting. Yeah, it's very, very different, but it's you're exactly right. And I tend to do that like... My personality is when in doubt, work harder, when in doubt, work more. Yeah. And I can see that conversation Laura and I have had over time of, hey, we need more date nights. We need to do these things with the kids. You know, hey, can we get a trip away? And it's like, what do you need a trip away? We don't have the money for a trip away. <laughs> you know, it's, and I feel yanked towards my cliff. And so I'm running the other direction. She's like, where are you? Like, we need more family. Yeah. We need more of this. That's exactly, yeah, mm. I totally hear you. And this is a perfect example of, the big lie or the big myth is that we don't care about what the right. other person cares yes. about because in this case we do like a man statistically is he cares about the health of his family yes, and his wife sure. and his marriage just as much as she does and a wife cares about money i mean of course yeah. statistically we all do what we don't think is that we're about to go over the cliff in the other person's areas. Like mm -hmm. so many, right. so many husbands, I can't even tell you the sheer number of husbands who are just shocked at the idea like, wait, like you really feel like we're at risk, like in our relationship, mm -hmm. like we're growing more and more and more distant and that we might actually like have a marriage problem as a result. Like that's a shocker. Like he doesn't even yeah. think that's possible. Like, of course we're fine. We'll get through this. And a wife is thinking, but you're so talented. You're so good at your job. Yeah, I mean, okay, it's an insecure time now, but you'll land on your feet. You're really, really good. Whereas the average guy is like, I don't feel good. Like, I don't feel like I have anything to offer people. Yep. Someone's going to find out that I'm a complete imposter. Mm -hmm. right. And that I don't know what I'm doing. And the wife is like, what? Mm. Like, you really feel that way? You really feel like you might be exposed as imposter and we fall over the cliff and die as a family. Yeah. No, like mm. I believe in you. And the husband is thinking, I believe in us. We're both caring about the other thing. It's just, we don't see it as this big, fearful, insecure thing hmm. that the other person does. Right. That's, right. so. That's huge. Yeah. And having those feelings validated and then built up by the other partner is super important. Yeah. You know, well, what you just said, Ryan, Oh my gosh, I totally understand now why Laura would say such and such yep. about a vacation. Yep. Literally that aha moment, I can guarantee that that will change your next conversation about it. <laughs> oh, like for you may, sure. You may not make different decisions. You may still, still make similar decisions, right. but you will understand what she's thinking and she will know that you understood it. And that's, mm -hmm. I think that's one that's of the keys the key. of the book that you're talking about is yes. you're striving for a greater understanding of self and your spouse, which can lead to a greater intimacy around money in marriage. It's not about yeah. your budget or the saving or the spending. It's about understanding your spouse in a deeper and better way and validating those feelings of saying, mm, oh, I understand yes. how you feel that way. That's very interesting. I'm going to think about that in a greater level. Mm. Because imagine now that you've had that aha moment. Yeah. Just that one. Like that's just one little aha moment, yeah. right? And there will be dozens of these, yeah. okay? Yeah. Imagine that one aha moment and how it might just change some of the interaction just slightly. Now, then there's the next one and then there's the next one. Suddenly, huh, 
putting together a budget yeah. doesn't seem like such a big deal. Yes. Uh, you know, it's like it doesn't seem so overwhelmingly something to avoid because and something the, scary. The burden or the blockage isn't the budget. It's feeling Correct. understood about the budget, right? That's what I'm yeah. feeling right now with the two of us. It's not the budget that we have a problem with. It's how do we feel about money and why we're – it's so much deeper than just the budget. Everybody's yeah. like, oh, no, budget's a great idea. But getting yep. to the budget's so, much harder if you're not – Exactly. So speaking back to the person, this hypothetical person we've been talking to yeah. who's the saver, yeah. who's married to the spender, or you might say the planner married to the free at heart kind yeah. of person. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. The key, again, if you want to get on the same page, the answer isn't to just punch, 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 and we're going to stick to this, and here's what we're doing. Yeah. And it's going to sound crazy, but the answer, again, is do you feel there's things that matter to you that I don't really understand? Mm -hmm. And if you start talking to your spouse and really honoring and listening mm -hmm. to what matters to your spouse, whether you're the husband or the wife, and really giving them a chance to go, oh, my gosh, you know, my spouse, they do care mm. about yeah. what I care about. Right. Then suddenly you're not going to see the resistance to actually planning yeah. or you're not going to see the resistance to budgeting. For sure. Yeah. I will tell you the embarrassing version of our story <laughs> that Good. this is before the research project, before we started this. Yeah. This is how dysfunctional we were. Jeff is the saver. Jeff is the planner. Okay. And he wanted for years to go to the Dave Ramsey course at our church. And I'm, oh my gosh, honey, I'm traveling so much and I have to miss this weekend and that weekend. You guys are nodding and smiling because you know totally. that they weren't the real reasons, sure. right? right? Sure. And so eventually Jeff went on his own because I wouldn't go with him. That's how bad this yep. was, okay? Yeah. And now I realize the reason, because again, it's not about the money. No. Anytime you think it's about the money, it's yeah. not. It's about the stuff under the surface. And I couldn't have articulated why, but now that we've done the research, I can articulate that one of the main reasons I wouldn't go with him is because I was worried <laughs> that he was going to put us on the equivalent of a 500 calorie a day diet. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. Like we're right. eating franks and beans for the next 200 yeah. days because that's exciting. Yeah. Like this week, save a lot of money. And I'm, I'm sure like, Laura's never felt that way when we talk about budgets because I'm super extreme. You know, like I will go super, super extreme of, you know, we could live on $4 a day and then we could pay off all of our, you know, like I am diving headfirst, super extreme. And it's like, oh my goodness, you're going to choke the life out of all of us. Yeah. Ryan, you and Jeff just, you need to like hang out. Sure. <laughs> you are so similar in that way. But Laura, and I'm sure you, like me, were worried about that. Oh, totally. Right? Yes. And I wouldn't have been able to articulate it, but that was one of the key things. Yeah. So again, if you're the person who's like, how can I get my spouse to listen to the need to budget and plan and, and whatever, ask them these questions mm. and be willing to hear, huh, <laughs> maybe I was like, handling this in a way that scared them. Yes, for sure. And now I have the opportunity to say, maybe I'm not the only right one. Yeah. yeah. So what matters to my spouse that will allow us to get on the same page, especially right now yeah. Yeah. when it's needed more than we ever has been before. For sure. Mm -hmm. 
And you have some opportunities, most people do anyway, to have a lot more time for conversation like this. Yeah, definitely. And if you will really work to honor the other person, and this matters for both of us, if you'll work to honor the other person and how they think and how they feel around this, it's really remarkable yeah. how much we will open up to each other. Mm. It really is. You had to have felt a little bit worried that I would be like, we're going to go, you know, like... That's for sure me just charging off into the wilderness like we're going to do the whole thing right you know I'm the change everything in one day don't baby step into it kind of thing it had to be worrisome for Laura to yeah. be like oh my goodness where are we going now where are we going now right yeah because <laughs> yeah. that's just my temperament like I'll dive into the deep end it'll be great you know we could just try it then when I get pushback on it my go-to is, but why won't you even just try it? Just try it. We've never even tried doing everything all at once. You know what I mean? For sure. And it would cause so much anxiety and fear of, oh my gracious, this is going to be so miserable, right? The 500 yeah. calorie a day diet in the budget. Yeah, totally. Wow. <laughs> this is so great. I'm so, so, so glad we're doing this. Yes. Because it's going to open up so many doors with Laura and I. Mm -hmm. It's the thing that we've held on uh, I for certain I'm have glad. held on to it for 15 years. And I think there's so many couples out there. And that's what I like about your research too. With the kindness challenge and four women only and four men only. Like the research that you've done and the books that you've put out. They fill me with hope mm. because you've got the data. It's like with the kindness challenge, it was like 70% of marriages experience you know, a big uptick in if one person does that. It doesn't have to be both people. One person can do this and the whole marriage is going to go up. It's like, ooh. That gives me so much hope. And I think yeah. there's so many couples that struggle with money, that struggle with talking, just talking about it. I remember, who were we listening to? I forget we had someone on early, early, early on that was like, you just need one hour a week to talk about money. Just one hour. And I'm like, I'm never going to talk with anybody about money for a whole hour. You like, you want me to do it every single 52 weeks a year, 52 hours of talking about money and one. No, yeah. I'm not yeah. doing that. But this allows you honestly to ease into that conversation and to do much it, more understanding of self and spouse. Mm. It does. And that's my real, that's the encouragement I'd love to leave you guys with is that Jeff and I found out the research wasn't simple, but applying it, it turns out, is really simple mm. because this stuff isn't rocket science. Yeah. It's literally just stuff that every single one of us was feeling yeah. that we kind of didn't, didn't know, know we were feeling yeah. or we certainly couldn't articulate right. it. And suddenly, once you can articulate it, like I said, I know this is going to sound really funny, but those conversations tend to happen much more naturally and we don't avoid it. And then if there is, it is important, it's a value for someone to be able to plan, a yeah. value to be able to sit down. Most of us know we need to be able to get a better handle on things if yeah. we don't already have one. It just becomes so much easier. Yes. And that's when you can dive into the other resources. Yeah that are out there on how to do that. It's just you can do it without wanting to kill each other right. at the same time. Yeah. And that's the important part. Huge sure. part. Hold up mm. the book again. Yeah. I want to see it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So the book is Thriving in Love and Money. Move and by the way, if you, want, if you want the... Uh, there we go. Thriving in if Love want, and Money. If you want the assessment, because yes. there's an assessment that goes with this as well, it's at thriveinloveandmoney.com. So. Thriveinloveandmoney.com. 
Yes. Awesome. Well, and I think that's perfect That'll for now because so many people are pressed up against just being in survival mode, just trying to get through every yes. day. And you're you're providing an opportunity just to thrive during this time. So yeah. I think that alone yeah. is encouraging, being like, oh, yeah, you can. You can thrive during this time. And I think one of the questions to ask yourself, too, and this is what I've talked about this when I've discussed the kindness challenge on other programs a lot. You have to ask yourself, what do you want most? Do you want a good marriage most or do you want someone that works as hard as you do most? Because sometimes when we're trying to work on our marriage, it's like, well, I'll work on it as long as you work just as hard as I'm working on it. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, but what do you want most? A good marriage or someone that works as hard as you do? Because you're probably not going to get that. You're probably not going to get equal. We're both going to give 100%, 100% of the time. Like it doesn't work that way. And so when it comes to money, what do you want most? Do you want to have a good relationship with your spouse and money? Or do you want to be right? Well, and that's the question for marriage in general, right? I mean, it is what is most important to us. And the good news, and this is really where I want to encourage people, And the good news about all of that, though, is that if you do understand your spouse, if you are willing to say maybe it's not just that I'm the only right one and they're completely wrong, like maybe it's okay to have different values on this and God designed us in different ways. If you were willing to kind of go there, then (laughs) the good news, the encouraging news about this is that it won't feel as much like hard work. Yep. Right? right. And you'll see that actually your spouse is willing to work hard. It's just that they were willing to work hard <laughs> in a way that you weren't recognizing as exactly. work. Yeah, right. Exactly. You weren't recognizing as something that was valid. Mm. So it really does transform above all the thing that we all want most, which is the intimacy and the connection and the closeness. Yes. Yeah. And then that eventually does lead to the financial security because yeah. then you can come together. On the technical stuff. Right. Oh, mm. That's awesome. Shanti, thank Oof. you. I appreciate this. Thank you so yeah. much. Absolutely. No, thanks for having me you on. Us a I'm lot grateful. To Glad on. you're doing this series. Mm. Good. Yeah. I think this is going to be really helpful for a lot yes. of people. It's definitely helpful for us. Yeah. Mm. Good. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening, Rebels. We love you guys so much. Thank, for, thank you for supporting us during this lockdown. My goodness, do we appreciate it. You can donate tax-free at rebelparenting.org. Click on the Donate tab. Thanks to Shanti for coming on, talking about money. Speaking of, what an amazing, amazing program. We love you guys. If you need anything, email us, help at rebelparenting.org. God bless. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.